Hello and welcome to the MIP Alumni Association podcast. I'm Kate Mason and this is episode one of a brand new show that will bring together ex-footballers to give the inside track on the biggest topics in the game. The difference? These men and women have taken their on-field knowledge off the pitch and are now working behind the scenes at some of the world's biggest clubs. The reason they've been able to do that is partly thanks to the MIP Alumni Association. It's a programme that nurtures and enables former professional players to become leaders and decision makers in the development of football. Today we're going to be focusing on transfers. The window itself and deadline day does get all the hype, but getting your transfer policy right is a constant process of identifying players, negotiating with clubs and agents and having those difficult conversations with people across the industry. And we've got three incredible guests with me today, starting off with Bruno Sheru. His playing career saw him turn out for Liverpool, Marseille, Lille and Rennes, as well as winning three caps for France. He's now technical director at Lyon. Nice to have you, Bruno. Thank you, Kate. Bianca Resch won three Bundesliga titles, three German Cups and a UEFA Cup with Frankfurt. She's currently the sporting director for women's football at Bayern Munich. Bianca, good to see you. Thank you. And Pierre Issa played for Marseille and Watford, among others, has 47 caps for South Africa. And after retiring, he became sporting director of Greek side Olympiakos. He now runs sports management company Play 11. Pierre, good to see you too. And a very nice painting that is behind you. Oh, you've moved. Yeah, I moved. <laughs> <laughs> so look, let's get started with the transfer window. The most recent transfer window probably the most extraordinary we've ever seen. £1.1 billion spent in the Premier League alone. It featured moves for not just the two finest players of their generation, but some of Europe's best talent as well. Jaden Sancho, Romelu Lukaku, Jack Grealish, to name a few. Uh, let's start with a simple one, Bianca. Do you like the transfer window? Well, it's needed, right? <laughs> to transfer players. Well, but I think it's a it's a really busy time. Like um, you always think, well, the season finished, and then the transfer window starts, so you never get kind of a rest. And yeah, and it really depends like how you plan the past few months, and and sometimes you don't know. There's a big tournament, players getting injured, and then it can be a really really busy time. Mm. So Pierre, it's like deadlines. You're working towards deadlines all the time. So people put off their homework right until the last minute or or no no i think yeah bianca has the right point i think imagine even now uh, the transfer window has closed uh, a month ago but uh, i'm sure bruno is aware and uh, also the, all the sporting directors there's an african cup coming in january so you have to already prepare who's leaving for the next african cup in your team and already preparing some uh, gaps of players who will be seen probably for one one month or even two months so it's uh, ongoing every time, non-stop. You have to uh, watch what's happening in the market and be ready for the next transfer window every time, you know. And we know Arsene Wenger is having a lot of thoughts about various things, including World Cups. And I'm sure we'll talk about that on another occasion. Uh, but he's he's made points in the past, Bruno, about changing the January transfer window. People want to fiddle with it, right? What, why do you think that is? It's... Always difficult question to say if we need or not, because we can say we don't need it. And unfortunately, in the same time, we can have a couple of injuries or we can have like uh, adjustment to make in a team, in a roster. So it's good to have it. If you don't want to use it, you don't have to use it. It's not compulsory to transfer some players during winter time. Yeah. So what you, you're saying, people could just make no moves at all. And, and that is the same situation. 
Exactly. Yeah. So of course I can understand and sometimes and in Lyon we are really well aware of that because during transfer window opens, I mean in August or in January, it's like the season stopped for us and we have too many players thinking about what's going on, if they're going to leave or not, and it can disturb the game and not perform at the best we would like. So it's always a matter of be quite relevant and use it uh, if we need it. But of course, regarding the players, you can always have some disturbance on the way. So it sounds like actually, Bruno, it could have a more of a negative impact on football generally. And we will all have seen from our own clubs and being fans of football clubs, you, you see the players pushing for a move, not playing their best. The fans experience that, don't they? So it sounds as though you think it, it might have something of a negative impact. I don't think so, to be honest, because if you're a player and you didn't play for the first six months, you need to have a way out to play because otherwise you will be for one year without any playing game. So if you can have a way out, I think it's a good thing. It's just a matter of having the rules and take it and turn it into your advantages. And uh, you know what? I think, and I'm sure of, if we don't have the transfer window in January, we would like to have it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with Bruno. Um, out of my experience with, with Bayern Munich, um, I think we, we used in the past five, four or five years, we passed, we like used um, the transfer window in January all the time because uh, Bruno said it, it's, it's a matter of like injuries. Um, you you have like players they probably want to move because they're not playing. So there is a possibility of doing an adjustment without being crazy. I think so. Um, it's really more you kind of changing your team if it's really needed. Uh, and I think this is like the healthy way to balance it. Yeah, and you mentioned already that it's quite difficult to have some kind of a life during it, right? Because or was it you, Pierre? You said about how you know the season is over and you're working so hard on transfers anyway is it just an exhausting time no i think uh, to be honest i enjoy it i think uh, the the most problem is for the managers regarding the transfer of january because they're always afraid that maybe a big club comes or team and they have the money to buy the best striker or the best uh, player so i think it's most of the time the managers who are afraid of the market in january but uh, I think Bruno uh, got a good point. You use it to adjust your team. I think if uh, one team is uh, in the bottom of the league or another team wants to fight to the position of Champions League and they have an injury or the, they, they need a player in this position, they will definitely go to uh, reinforce their team in January. So uh, like Bruno said, I, th- I think it's not an obligation, but uh, when you need it, you will use it. Let's talk about recruitment then. Bianca, perhaps if you kick it off, can you give us a sense of how much analysis and time and groundwork goes into identifying a new player for your squad? I think it it takes more and more time. Like in the past few years, I think the market changed totally. The clubs who are getting top players are increasing. Um, Now it's really important to identify talent. Um, Even in a very young age, this wasn't the case many years ago. So recruitment, scouting, seems to be is one of the most important things uh, in the future and already right now. So um, it takes a lot of time within like normal business with coaches, with people around who are taking care of the scouting. It's uh, every year and all year ongoing task. So um, it takes a lot of time. Can you try and paint a picture, Bruno, for us of how it works at Lyon? When we're talking about recruitment, we're talking about planification, vision, 
And of course, and as Pierre and Bianca said a couple of times, it's an ongoing thing about recruitment. So, of course, there are some emergencies for the next transfer window, which is coming quite soon. But there is also like a planification. So where you try to get your roster for 21, 22, and after for 22, 23, with the players going to leave, with the players you're going to recruit, with the players coming from your academy. So I like talking about recruitment, but I like also to have the bigger picture of the global strategy, the global sport strategy of your club. So it takes time, of course, the global strategy. And after, when you are getting a bit deeper on the recruitment phase, of course, it's about organization of your scouting team. It's about key territories. It's about having the right information with your network and all that stuff. So it's like 24-7. If you're talking about timing, you know, we're having a job. We like it. We love football. It's a really show of activities and and we played that and when we like it. But we have to know that if we want to get some responsibility, it's like 24-7. We don't have any weekend. We Now with jet lag, if you're working with uh, US or with Asia, yeah, you can receive a phone call at 3 o'clock in the morning. So yeah, it's basically 24-7. So to have a family life in the same time, it's quite tough. So you leave your phone on all night, do you? No problem. We ring you up at three, you pick up. <laughs> Depends who. <laughs> Depends who, yeah. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I have some different rings. If my president called me at 3 a.m., I, I, I pick up directly. But if it's Pierre Issa, for instance, I wait for the day after, you know. Would you pick up to him, Pierre? No, any time for sure. But uh, I, I don't know if you really uh, imagine uh, how long, and uh, I'm sure Bianca and, uh, and Bruno will will agree how long it takes for a deal to be done 100%. It's very, very long. So imagine when you sign in, let's say, eight, seven players in the meantime. Uh, it's a long process. A negotiation, agents, player, uh, the club uh, with who you're talking to, medical uh, checking. I mean, it's a long way. So it's really, uh, it's, it's not so easy, but... Uh, it's, and it's uh, always the same, Pierre. The transfer window is open for two months. And everything's happened in the last week. True. And when you say that you have to deal, I don't know, three players out, three players in, in the last week with all the medical check, the legal stuff, the legal stuff is a really big part of the transfer. Yeah. We don't imagine that much, but you need to be really well supported by your legal team because it's a huge amount of work to get the paper done, all the international transfer and everything like that, it's it demanding a lot of words from a legal, a legal team, and we have to, to thank them for that also. And this comes only after the coach, the sport director, uh, the scouting team, the president has given the okay to go and take the player. So imagine before that all the work that's been done just to sign a player. So really, uh, I think the people have the, only the idea maybe sometimes about transfers, but it's really a, a long process regarding scouting. And before the player signing, there's been many, many uh, games watched and reports and many negotiations also. So it sounds like there's a whole vast number of people who have impacts and have input into whether you sign someone. Is that something you have experience of, Pierre, where you just, so number of times you were like convinced about somebody and it's just doesn't, you don't manage to persuade people? 
it's not also many times that everybody say okay a hundred percent because on a sports side they will say okay then the president on the financial side will say okay it's it's quite expensive so um, will he not always sorry to get in Pierre would he not always say that no but I, I think at the end uh, really if uh, if a coach if a manager really wants a player and uh, and all the scouting uh, team the sport director have uh, agree on that generally uh, there's a way. That's why Bruno answers every time he's president. There's a way that to to convince your president to pay more money and bring the player. You know, <laughs> is that how you see it, Bianca? Yeah, pretty much the same way. Um, first of all, the coach has wants to like like the player, but uh, on the I think the most important side as well is the topic of budget, right? So if we can afford a player, so you should have a A B C list in your pocket. In the end, uh, it's not just like. Okay, the co- like the coach wants to have a left back, and then you have one left back, but you have to. But this one left back is very expensive, and uh, you can't probably afford it. Or there is another player on the market who wants that player, so you have to have like a B and a C list as well to fill that position. And this comes up to more talks, more negotiations, more agents involved, and and this is yeah, it's quite a lot of time. So I guess this is why it always seems to get out. Because we think sometimes watching it all play out over the course of the season or over the course of the transfer window, we think, oh, these guys are feeding these different stories to us. There's some secret world going on. But there's so many people involved, it sounds like, Bruno, that it's impossible to keep most transfers completely away from people hearing about them, would you say? It's more and more difficult. But it's a real issue. But in the same time, my... Input is to say that more confidential your approach is and more chances you have to go until the end. Um, but sometimes you also use the rumors, the newspapers, to get something out from that and to push another team to buy him or to to, to maybe low down the, the, the price or... You know, it's a global game you have to play. And that's why we like it. I think this is because, yeah, it, it's a bit like a poker game, you know, and you have to, to play, but it's not that easy. And sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And so if there's a debate between the sporting director and the, and the head coach, who wins normally? Uh, I mean, if I'm a sport director, it's me. Huh? <laughs> is that all of your answers? <laughs> no, I, I mean... You don't have to arrive at this point uh, in the fact that I think the sport director, everybody must be at his position. The president, the sport director, and the coach. The coach is really on the short term. The coach must use the players he's got under his responsibility. Of course, he has to choose if he needs a left back or a right back. This is, uh, of course, him going to make him play. But at the end, I think all the you know backup Work must be done by the sport director with his team of scouting and people involved in the recruitment to make a list, like Bianca said, ABC, and after between ABC, the coach decides. So it's the final decision for the coach, but before it was the work of the clubs with the sport director and the scouts to be able to have a a short list um, who match and who fits totally the philosophy and the coach and the way he wants to play. It sounds to me, Bianca, like it's about persuading, but it's about having the correct information, right? Can you give us more of a sense of 
I don't know, maybe like the most extreme or the most detailed thing that someone has done in order to get information about a player to make sure that they're like completely right about this guy or this girl? Oh, well, I think we we're very transparent and very honest in the way how we want to get our information. So it's really more likely we, we talk to players. Maybe they like to get a bit more info about the character. We talk to coaches. They maybe coach the player. We talk to the agents, but this is another topic. You're not really always sure if they're talking this, <laughs> the right things. Um, no, but I think we're very transparent and we know, we pretty much know the player. So it's more if it's your, if you have like a really young player, you don't really know, um, because she didn't play on the top level yet. Um, this is a bit more hard to get these informations, but for us, it's very important to know the environment of the player as well. So it's family, it's parents, it's, um, it's people around, um, to to get to make make sure the player fits into our environment. We always say it's like uh, you know we have a small family and we need to we have the right family members here. So that's really nice. So it's about also how yeah how they would develop. You can see a sense of how they are likely to. I don't know if they have like a stable work ethic and they're being looked after. That seems like that will help you understand what kind of player they're likely to develop into. Is it that sort of thing? Yeah, I think it's very important, especially uh, now the money that you're spending. Uh, it's an investment for the club and for the president. So when you go to your board and you are, are saying, you know, it's a very uh, interesting player for the club and to invest in him. So you have to also be aware of uh, a bit the background. Uh, if the, the guy is really professional, especially in which city he will, uh, he will sign. <laughs> so, uh, you know, to be very professional and, uh, and to work hard because, uh, you know, uh, it's always a, a challenge for a new player to change club, the environment, the city, the country, sometimes also the culture. So um, especially when you choose them, uh, you are never 100% sure. But to be honest, for me, uh, especially when I was in Olympiakos, uh, it was very important also for me, uh, the mentality of the player. And to be honest, I would choose more a player who really wants to come to my team than just choosing a player who just want to come and, you know, you have to push him a lot and he's just thinking about his contract. Because uh, in a season, <laughs> it's very hard. You don't every time have a top season. Sometimes you're going to have some upside down. And this is where you need the player to fight for the team and for the club. So if he really wanted to come, it means that he wants to be here 100%. So uh, it makes us a bit, I think, a difference. This is really interesting stuff, guys, because these guys are professionals, right? So say I'm a Spurs fan. It would be the most incredible thing ever to play for Tottenham, right? But probably for these guys they're, and girls, they're mainly thinking about their career and their development and stuff like this. Surely it's very rare that someone is like specifically really keen to play for Olympiacos or Lyon or, or Bayern Munich specifically that club it's more like a club of that size or a club of you know of that ambition I don't think it's about the shirts in the way that fans want it to be do you think? When I was going to bring a player for Olympiacos I really knew what I was uh, about to to say to the player to make him come and I know which player I could approximately go in and reach. So I was more sailing the fact to play and be champion and to play Champions League. So I used to go most of the time chase players who would really love to play in Champions League and who couldn't play in Champions League, you know. So uh, this is, was a bit the, the approach I had. So I think it depends on each team. I think Bayern Munich is different. Uh, Lyon has other also criteria. 
So it depends really with which club you are. You are, and like you said before, even Tottenham, it depends which club you are in, and this is how you 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 go and 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 try to to choose the players. Thank you for that little dig there. I'm sure we'll cut that out. It's about the project, and it's about you saying. So look, this is the important part of the negotiations, which is what we're talking about now, right? What happens? You sell the story potentially to to the player that you want to join if they're not already obsessed with this idea. Bianca, can you talk to me about negotiations? You know, who are the key factors here? Let's say we've now persuaded everyone on your side in your team that this is the right player to go for. What happens now? Well, I think it's about the project. So, I mean, the club has to have ambitions, right? If you like want to get a top player, you have to have ambitions. But it's a little bit more about the project. And I probably would say, in our case, about the speciality about Bayern Munich. Um, You know, the feeling you have, the environment you have, which is probably different maybe to other clubs. Um, And this is something uh, what we are going to sell in the end to the players it's it's not it wouldn't be compared to other maybe English teams it's not the money because they pay more that's quite clear so you have to have details you have to have an idea um, about what you're telling to the players and it's 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 here it's the environment it's the project we have the ambition we have and it's kind of to be a part of this project this is what we try to to write down you know like uh, what it what it what it is what it means to be a player for FC Bayern Munich and you mentioned agents. What What is the story there? You you have people that you like to talk to. You have relationships with these guys. How does it work? I always say, like, I have a blacklist. So, <laughs> <laughs> How do we get on the blacklist? Uh, well, I mean, you know, as I said in the beginning, we're very transparent, very honest. And I kind of follow my values. Um, I know it's not always easy and this way of working but we are still or I still live these values and um, for me it's very important to be honest um, and I don't want to play games and I hate it honestly and there are some people out there they want to play games with us and I don't like that so and then in the in the meantime you have some you know people on a blacklist through the years so if you're on the blacklist though what if this person has a player that you really want you know what happens then it well it depends um, we already had some situation in the past where someone is on a blacklist and we're not talking to them anymore um, this is one part and the other part is the way we we talk with each other how do you mean like not on whatsapp or what do you mean or the, <laughs> that how open you are <laughs> yeah like um, it's more like you know short cut it uh, okay um, it's not really a, like an open, long discussion. It's not kind of a f- not friendly based, but the way we, we talk, it's it's different. So it's really like, this is business, point. So it's like a thumbs up emoji rather than a voice note is the right. impression I'm getting. <laughs> is this something you guys recognize too? Yeah, I think um, you have, it's so short, it's two months, but everything happens maybe the last week. So if you speak into one agent and he's telling you, okay, this is going to go through, we're okay with the player, all's fine. And then at the end, the last two days, you're calling him, he doesn't answer the phone. So you lost your face in front of the coach, uh, I mean the manager, in, fr- in front of your president. So for sure, the next time this manager, you, this agent, you don't want to deal with. So this is maybe, I don't know how Bianca can call a blacklist, but uh, <laughs> I mean, you're under, you're under pressure as a sport director to sign the player. And uh, then at the end, if the player doesn't sign and you've been wasting maybe two weeks negotiating with the agent and the player doesn't appear, I mean, yeah, you can really be uh, pissed off because you work quite a lot on that signing. So it's about reading people, is it? 
yeah, reading, trust, uh, feeling the people sometimes also. But it's not easy because, uh, you know, when you have also the manager who's pressing you to, to sign this player because he really wants this player. So you have to also try to adjust. And uh, it can happen, yeah, sometimes it can happen that the agents are not also as expected uh, as you were supposed to, to, to feel them, you know. You know, Kate, it's, it's a big business and you need to have reliable people at each stage on, of the business, of the activity. And, and of course, agents are a big part of it now, big stakeholders. You, you, you have to deal with them. There is no problem with that. And I think, you know, it's part of the game. And, but too many times, what I feel is the agent are talking or coming against the clubs. Whereas we are not against the agents. You know, we are here to work together to have a win-win situation with the player. So when a, an agent comes with like a confrontation or a fight, like with numbers, with negotiations, with projects, with all that stuff, it's, it's useless. And we need to find the right understanding and the right people in front of us to be able to, to get to a point where we can close a deal. Of course... You have some agents which are more difficult to deal with than others. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we are quite lucky with Bianca. She is Bayern Munich. I am Lyon, in a way. And, you know, if you want to go for a player or another, it won't change your mind dramatically. And if we can choose the people we want to work with, it's easier. And agents are part of that kind of choice we can make as a big club like Lyon or Bayern Munich. I think Bruno said just important thing about it, about the negotiations. In the end, it should be a win-win solution. And it shouldn't be the case like you win and I lose or I lose and you win. And this you have some sometimes with, with agents and I think this is the wrong direction. So in the end, we want to achieve something together, right? We want to achieve the right pathway for the players. I understand on the other way, it should be the business side, the money side, which is like clear. But in the end, it should be a win-win solution and not like, okay, I win and you lose and you lose and I win. So it, it's about the player and we shouldn't forget that. Yeah, that is the core to it all at the, at the end. So what you say about the agent wins and you lose, what would that be? Is that like a, a huge amount of money or, or how do you mean? Or just like an unpleasant exchange? No, I think it's a, it's a confrontation in the way like um, an agent comes around, like in the way how they behave, in the way like kind of you're giving an offer, they're not coming back for weeks or like, and you know, it's it's kind of a pressure time uh, and kind of this, you know, playing a lot too uh, much, like playing too many games. Um, and this is, it's not needed. I mean, we want to achieve something together, right? Um, and it's always about the players. And I think another big problem which I face is a lot, that sometimes the player don't, players don't know what agents are doing. And I think this is a, is a big, big thing as well. Yeah, I was about to tell you about that. I mean, uh, every time it's important uh, to have also the player uh, feeling on the picture. I mean, he doesn't want to go to all the numbers and negotiation, but it's good that sometimes the player also, if you find it quite difficult to deal with the agent, it's good that the player also sometimes hear what's going on because he can also help at the end to to make things more uh, <laughs> uh, more faster and more easier, you know? That's funny because I was always, from the outside, I would always think that if people say they didn't know what their agent was saying in public, I would always be quite cynical about that because you think, how can you not? Presumably you speak to them all the time. But you think that that is, Bruno, you think that is quite possible and likely? 
yeah, unfortunately, it's part of the game. But sometimes the agents use it, and sometimes the clubs use it. So you know, it, it's just a matter of being quite able to manage these kind of situations. But the media and the fact that nowadays it changed so much the media picture, the social network, all that kind of stuff where everybody can be a journalist and everybody can have an information. Sometimes it's fake news, sometimes it's good news, but unfortunately it doesn't help at some point to be able to have a good negotiation, to have a good... Uh, uh, recruitment pathway. So you have to take it and to turn it into your advantage, but sometimes it's difficult to manage all that kind of stuff. All right. Let's since we're on this subject, let's carry on with with talking about this. And we're gonna. I still want to get some of the like maddest contract demands that you've ever heard at some point later before we finish. But let's keep talking about the media situation. So. Quite often what will happen is if a, if a transfer is reported, then fans will leap onto the social media, will try and, you know, contact the club, whatever, will we'll go mad for it, depending on what it is, mad negatively, mad positively. How does that affect you guys? To be honest, uh, there's a few times also the fans were not happy with the signings. But at the end, you, you turn it out. And uh, especially if the player is doing good, then uh, you see after a few months that it was a good choice and a good signing. And then the, the fans also, also follow that. Yeah, you have to, of course, especially when you're, when you're in a big club. I mean, uh, when you're in Lyon or when you're in Bayern Munich, uh, there's a lot of pressure because uh, the fans are demanding and the results. So you need the player to, to be good. But at the end, I think if... Everybody, the staff recruitment, uh, the scouting department, and everybody believed it was a good uh, player to sign. At the end, even if the fans are not quite happy uh, at the beginning, I think everybody in the staff is quite happy to sign the player and to make him feel comfortable to perform and do his best to change the first thinking about the fans. Okay, so Bianca, it's impossible to close yourself off from it. And and it sounds like from what Pierre's saying, you wouldn't want to. Well, I think it... Yeah, with like all the social media and everything which ca- came in the past few years, I think it's quite hard to yeah to keep keep yourself away from it. But um, but I still think it's important that you have to step away from it sometimes um, and not getting pressured by by media because you have to believe in the job you did. Um, you have to believe in the work you did with your team. It's not just about myself; it's about my team and the decision we made. And I think if you believe it was the right decision, then I think it's it's the right way to do. And if it wasn't the right decision, I think it's it's fine too. You always can make mistakes, right? And um, this, we should be able to make mistakes. But you need sometimes to step away from media and yeah, and and let pressure yourself or your your team from it. So yeah, I can certainly see that. Do you have any memory or any example of when maybe Bruno when? a player has seen reaction to potential transfer and has wanted to back out or that has like affected his or her feeling about about a move first of all when we are trying to pick up the players you have to take into account some some stuff from the fan and from public opinion public vision of this fact and i mean if i take the example of tottenham which is a good example if you want to pick up a player from Arsenal, you know that at the beginning, the player will be in difficulty to perform because he'll be boo or, you know, it will be a difficult situation for the player. So if you want to be a bit more 
relevant, it's maybe better to take another player than a player from Arsenal. Because, of course, you have to take a good player, but you need also to create the right environment to make the player perform. And if he step up on the pitch and because he's coming from Arsenal, he's booed by all the fans of Tottenham, he will not be in the right mood to perform. So this is something to take into account. You know, it's also how you present the player. I mean, this is important to, to, to have also a connection with all the people in the club at the social media. Because every time when you sign a player, they're going to say it's the new player that was maybe before uh, the best player of the fans. So they want to present him like he's like this one. No, each player has his own criteria, his own quality. So it depends also when you sign the player, how you present him, because then there will be much more expectation about the signings. I can give you my example regarding that, and it was a bit difficult <laughs> for me. But when I signed for Liverpool, uh, Gérard Rouillet said I was a New Zealand. He did. <laughs> Bianca is laughing, pretty unkind. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a way to also present the, the, the signing, and, and, uh, and uh, everybody has his own quality. So uh, this is... Uh, this is, but Zidane was, uh, was quite a difficult one too. <laughs> but, you know, everybody <laughs> was expecting to see Zidane on the pitch and they only see Bruno Chewu, so they were really disappointed, you know. <laughs> what did you think at that time, Bruno? What did you, you, you were felt proud, presumably? Nah, yeah, first of all, I was so proud and so, yeah, I like it, you know. Because, and in the same time, Zidane was my idol in a way. So I was really happy with that kind of comparison. But I, I, I quickly understood that it was a pain in the ass and really difficult to handle that. So, yeah. Anyway, that was a, a good example of something that to repeat, you know. Yeah, for sure. Oh, my goodness. What a weight of pressure. Well, you both can carry off the, uh, the shaved head, so, you know, you have lots <laughs> in common. Okay, yeah, we've already talked a little bit about the idea of using the media to kind of maybe push through a transfer. Clearly, what we keep coming back to while we're having this conversation is the idea of trust, don't we? Like, it's important that you deal with people that you trust, and presumably you have contacts in the media that you trust as well. So I suppose you could work in collaboration with people, but you'd be unlikely, Bianca, to tell someone just complete lies in order to get something over the line. No, um, we would never do that because this is not the way we handle the things. And even when I would never lie to a player or to an agent, what we even the coach is not doing that. I mean, if you if you tell a player, yeah, you play all the time. No problem. I mean, this is a lie already in the moment he's saying it. Right. We're very transparent, honest. And I think trust is for us is very, very important. So um, and yeah, and you have to trust all. I mean, everyone in the team and. It's always important to have the media on, on your side as well. So it's a little bit like playing a little game in terms of, okay, you know, I give you a bit of information, but you give me something bad, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Pierre, you wouldn't, or you could say to someone, you know, I need a bit of a hand here. Can you can you boost up this, this work I'm trying to do? No, sure. Yeah, I have very good relation with all medias and uh, I use them as they use me. Uh, when they want info on a transfer, are you really uh, talking to this club or is there serious interest? So I give them some time info, not all, but for sure, yeah, you have to, uh, they are part of the game. And uh, I think there's a way, uh, a limit to give all the info you want to give and the same for them. And uh, you can you can use it in a good way for both sides, for sure. So, uh, But then there's other 
also media who want to know more like uh, maybe they call the play they call the agents they want to know maybe the lineup of uh, of the next game or whatever so there's always a limit that you have to 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 put and uh, at the end i think they will respect you more and there's a there's a mutual respect on the work to 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 help each other i mean they're an important part of the game right so you have to have have to go hand in hand a little bit but as as Pierre has said as there is a limit to something But if you use it in the right way and both use it in the right way, I think it's a benefit for everyone. Yeah, for sure. So And so, Bruno, it sounds like effectively it's a case of maybe what you don't say rather than what you do. Like you just choose which elements to keep completely quiet. Yeah, of course. Uh, first of all, you have some legal and uh, financial information that it's totally forbidden to say. And this is the first thing. But after, yeah, of course, it's a matter of what you're interested in, what kind of players and all that stuff, it makes sometimes some differences and it makes also sometimes some players aware of your interest or maybe they want the player also, so maybe they're going to spend more money and it's a game, it's part of the game and you have to use it like they use you sometimes but you have to watch out because it can be a dangerous game. Oh, I don't know if I should try and understand a bit more about what you mean by that. Dangerous because not to be dependent only on that. I mean, uh, this is important because uh, at the end, if you every day have to give info or, or, or use the media, at the end, like Bruno said, it can turn against you because uh, if you don't give sometimes the info or, or what they want, then it can start also to be ugly on another side. So there has to be, of course, a, a limit, you know. Right. Understood. Now, look, let's talk a bit more, I mean, on the subject of being honest with people. Let's now talk about the process of selling. So at some point, some of your players who you have known for many years, who you've worked with, who you presumably have good relationships with, they are going to have to leave the club or you might have identified that this is the end of their uh, their career with you with you guys, with your clubs. What what happens at that point? Bruno, I see you nodding. Both, I mean, you guys obviously can talk about this both from both sides of the coin, but it must be a difficult thing. Not too much. I think, you know, it's more about, as you say, it's be transparent, be honest. And sometimes situations are such that you have to change your, your directions. And uh, as far as you are transparent and honest, even if the players doesn't understand it at some point. Yeah, this is the way it is. And, you know, we are not like association or charity. We have some feedback to give to top management, to the owner of the clubs and everything. So it's more a matter of being uh, honest and transparent. And after, even if, first of all, players can't understand your decisions, this is the decision you have to take. When I was used to, to play football, I was really like, yeah, be honest with me. And if you're honest, even if you're not happy with it, this is the way it is. So it's better if people speak, talk you through why this is happening, even if you don't agree on the side of the player, for example. Yeah, because, you know, it's always the same. Uh, you, you can't be on the same page as everybody. And sometimes you can have some interests quite uh, opposite But, yeah, you're paid to defend the interest of the club. And uh, sometimes you have to change your directions with some strategic roster and everything. So this is the way it is. And Pierre, I guess you don't want to get too emotionally involved, right? Because you have 
targets you have to hit you like in any other business yeah sure i think it depends the market also about uh, how to really uh say okay the president you speak to your president about the price that you are willing to sell uh, that kind of player of course the agent will uh, prefer less so it means that the player has more chance to leave so it's to find in a, a, a just way and, a, and a, i think if there's a good relation on both parts normally you find the, the the valuable price for the player to leave because it depends on the market and the market can go certainly high or can be stable but I, I like also some presidents who give a, a way out they say okay this year we are ready to sell you so this is good it's fair for for, for the agent and for the player to say okay this year the president told me I have a, a, a way out to go so uh, uh, it's good but when the president said to you, you know uh, this year it's quite difficult because we have ambitions with the team the manager really counts on you everybody work this year and for next season we can we can do it you know uh, I, I can understand that so it's a case of uh, for example um it seems Bianca that like some clubs like Chelsea men is a kind of good example they they seem to do a good job of selling players they don't need but still for high prices I mean I suppose it helps if your players are good right but but other than that is there a secret to that is there a, a methodology to that well, if you have the amount of players and have a good, let's say, development of players where where you have the possibility to 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 sell them, I think it's 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 kind of a good idea. And I think there are some clubs out there their focus is you know not being a top top team and like developing players and and sell the players. It could be that that's a way as well. Um, but for ourselves. Um, Normally, we don't have players <laughs> to let go, but you don't want to keep a player who don't want to play for the club, right? It as well could cause problems within the team um, if you're kind of not in a good mood or whatever. I mean, you always say, well, it's your job, do the job. But that's sometimes easier to say when the player is reacting differently. So it's really a matter of a discussion and we're always open to do that. So if a player comes around and raises this question, is there a possibility or an agent come around, um, then we, we discuss that. So if it's the right time, is it a possibility for us? Is it is it a good possibility for us or not? Um, and but normally in our case, we always find the right uh, right moment to do it or not. Have you guys ever seen an example of a player who's changed their mind? Like you thought they were going to be out the door, and they managed to change the the mind of the manager, or is that something that never really happens? No, it happens a lot. Uh, I mean, uh, I had a player who was not playing last year uh, in his team, and he went on loan for. For, uh, from January, which was good, until June, and he helped one team to stay in uh, in the first division in France, and he came back, and now today uh, he's the main player of his team in uh, in Greece. So uh, it can help also to man, and it's the same manager. So manager can also change their mind, and uh, the player can be again. It happens also that sometimes in pre-season the manager put five players who will not train with the team. And then suddenly after one month, uh, he will call the player to come back and change the mind of the manager. So, uh, yeah, it can happen uh, many times. That sounds terrifying to me, that whole thing about playing with the under-21s. Because everyone cares about saving face, right? It's important how you look in front of your comrades, no? To be honest, for me, sorry to, to say again, this is the worst. When you put a player on a side and you want to sell him, this is the way to cut his price. It's the worst thing. And many clubs are doing it. And it's, uh, for me, it's not, uh, it's not the best way. But 
also when you want a player to leave, uh, you try all the situation. But uh, I think his value really goes down after that when the other team learns that he's training with the, the B team or with the under-21. It's, uh, it's not the best. Let's talk about deadline day then, as we've uh, referenced quite a lot in the, in the course of this conversation, in the sense of it's frantic, you know. Yes, you're working on this for months and months and months. I mean, this is the most recent one, £150 million spent by Premier League clubs on deadline day. What's your take on the kind of atmosphere in clubs on that day? I mean, from my side, you know, I've watched all sorts of uh, documentaries where it features it and there's people running around giving pieces of paper to each other and striding very quickly from room to room. I mean, what is it like, really? No, but it's, it's quite true that I've heard many stories, especially in, uh, in Premier League, where uh, the guy is in the car with his agent and he's waiting for the team to agree. So to go and rush to make the, the medical test with the papers, then other guy has to go to the postmail to, to put the letter to the federation. So, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, as a director of a club, okay, you can have one case. But all this money spent in the last days, really, uh, for me, it's uh, it's not the way that uh, as a as a sport director or as a CEO of a club, I don't think it's the best way to to, to work. There were some cases where uh, the players were rushing too much that there was no medical check, huh? and and sometimes deal were cancelled too because it was uh, also too late. So it suggests to all of you guys, it sounds like Bianca, that if this is happening, people are panicking basically which is not a good look. No, I really try to avoid something like this. I mean, it can happen with maybe with a gone case, maybe someone got injured and you have someone in the back, which maybe could replace this position. I mean, this can happen, but honestly, I, we will never, I mean, never really happen in the, in the past because if you have a planning, your sport is planned and it's not changing by last dates of the transfer window. So um, it really, it can happen in terms of, yeah, in case, in my case, of an injury, but not really because we want to do, we're talking like three months before and doing it on deadline day. I mean, this is crazy. You don't want to do that. <laughs> okay. The one thing I did want to ask is, do you guys have any kind of crazy stories of like players wanting in their contract negotiations when they move, wanting like, I don't know, 15 cactuses as part of their deal or, or membership to... Uh, Disney World around the corner or what's do you have any examples of this the list is very long huh? the list is very long we will need one more hour so <laughs> <laughs> can you just give me one example of some like can you remember some I, I don't want to mention names but it's like a player who's going to earn a lot of money and he's asking to have five air tickets uh, more on his contract I mean uh, uh, crazy, crazy things or or to have a, a, a VIP suite uh, in the stadium for for, for his family, <laughs> or uh, there's there's many more. So it's better to yeah, you you have a lot, you have a lot of cases for sure. So why do they want that? Is that like an ego thing or something? Because they could just buy the stuff with the money that, that you're gonna pay them. Ego thing, money, and uh, yeah, uh, especially when you have so many high contracts. Uh, I don't know why you need to to also ask for <laughs> three more <laughs> train tickets. <laughs> Sure. Oh okay. Well, I think in a sense that all sums up the, the in some cases wild, but in other cases, as we have spoken about, quite structured and and logical situation that is that that should be the transfer market from from the conversation that we we have had today. And um, it's been so interesting to hear you talk about this. Thank you, Bruno, Bianca, Pierre. Thank you so much 
uh, for joining us for this first episode. And you guys at home, if you like what you've heard and you have a minute, please do leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. It really helps people find us. Episode two will be out next month. Look out for that. But until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>